you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 117 of the Speaking Club podcast. A lot of people feel that you can only get traction on Instagram by posting perfectly produced and posed photos. I'm sure you're going to feel much less intimidated to find out that as of January 2019, the most liked photo on Instagram was an egg. Whoever had that account totally smashed it. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey, hey, and thank you so much for joining me again on The Speaking Club. I hope you and all your loved ones are well. So today, we're going to be talking about Instagram. Now, I haven't done masses on this show before about leveraging social media, But since now is a great time to do some brand building and Instagram is the place to be seen, apparently, I am stoked to have Tash Mays as my guest today. And for your interest, I'm using the word stoked here because I got some feedback that many of you don't know what the word chuffed means. For the record, it means very, very pleased. Yes, I'm very, very pleased to have Tash Mays on the show because she is one half of the dynamic duo who started a company called Ace the Gram. And through Ace the Gram, Viv Conway and Tash have helped clients across the globe to grow their audience and get more leads for their business. Not only have they mastered Instagram to move their personal profiles to over 200,000 followers, but... They've mastered influencer marketing and giveaways and using Instagram for driving traffic to clients' websites and products. They also have a podcast where they share their knowledge and passion to anyone who wants to leverage social media for their business. And on this show, Tash was incredibly generous in sharing tips and experience, and you'll be able to tell how passionate she is in helping people get results. I've been interested in Instagram before, but to be honest, I haven't really had a clue about what to do. But I got tons myself out of this interview to put into action, and I know that you will too. But before I shift over to the interview, I just wanted to remind you about the Facebook group for The Speaking Club. It's called The Speaking Club Facebook Hub. And in there, you're going to get extra stuff, podcast bonuses, support from me with your speaking, your storytelling, your humor, and your content marketing. And you're going to get a community of like-minded speakers and entrepreneurs. I'll put the link in the show notes, and it would be absolutely smashing to see you in there. Also, if you enjoy The Speaking Club, I would love it if you would do me a big favor and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Okay, enough of all that. Let's get into this. Welcome to the Speaking Club podcast, Tash Mays from Instagram. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great to connect from our small corner of New Zealand to you. So yeah, thanks for having us. 
No worries. From the safest place in the world at the moment, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. It is funny. And I was, I said us because I'm used to doing these with Viv. So um, yeah, excuse me if I do a question differently because I'm used to having my sidekick. But yeah, I'm excited to have today's chat. Yeah. And and Viv was supposed to be here, your partner in crime, but she is uh, doing some emergency stuff to do with the with COVID nineteen. So I'm sure this you're the better half. I don't know. I'm saying that <laughs> yeah. we've got some good stuff to get through today. And I just th- thank you very much for for joining me. I'm going to kick straight off and say, where would you say Instagram fits into the whole social media ecosystem? It's a great question because I like thinking of it like that, like an ecosystem, because I don't think any platform these days exists in isolation anymore. I think they are all quite interconnected and they all have a different role. Instagram, I think, is one of the greatest ways to showcase your core brand messaging and connect and target that target audience that you have so that you can take that traffic and drive it to your website or your offerings or your product or service or those different places that you want to send them. So Instagram is the best way to create those powerful touch points with your audience of who you are, the context of why you started. It's such a powerful way in being a visual platform to showcase all those different elements of your brand and why someone would resonate with you as a brand over everyone else. Because I think, you know, we live in a time where your business is not compared to Harry and Sally's business down the street, it's compared to every business like yours in the world because of the internet. So the more that we can showcase, you know, our USP and what makes us resonate with a certain person, um, the more that we're going to get that business and the more that we're going to cement ourselves in that niche and find that perfect little sphere where we fit. Um, So Instagram is a great way to showcase that. And how would you compare it to Twitter or, or LinkedIn or Facebook my 19-year-old daughter told me that Facebook is just for old people now and um, I should be on Instagram. Is that true? It's, I mean, there's different functions for each platform. So I would say LinkedIn is great for targeting B2B and certain personnel in B2B. So if you're, you know, targeting certain marketing managers, for example, then LinkedIn's great to specifically find the names behind those roles. Um I would say Facebook is still super powerful when it comes to ads, but Facebook is now pay to play. So it's not a, you can't get the same organic traction without payment on Facebook that you can on Instagram. So Facebook is still powerful if you're, you know, if you have a specific intention, so you want to push people to an event or a product, um, then you can use Facebook and retarget and do an ad strategy, but that will be paid. Um, there are platforms now, the hottest platform in the block is now TikTok, which all the kids are using, and it's starting to spread out to not just the kids, over, especially COVID has been the biggest thing for TikTok. So they're, you know, an emerging platform in themselves and they also have a certain market and way of attracting a certain person so you we're seeing a lot of brands start to use that not just in creating their own content in their own channel but using it as advertising space because at the moment it is quite cheap to do advertising on tiktok yeah so instagram is definitely the platform where most people are on so it's currently i think the most popular platform for people to be using it's the one that they check when they wake up in the morning we've done so many surveys and all the you know tech crunch etc have done surveys of people's favorite social media platform and it's usually instagram so that's sort of the hub at the moment and because it's the hub in the 
the platform that most people are on, that's the one that's good for us to initially find our target audience so that then we can send them elsewhere. Cool. Okay. So, so essentially, in summary then, Facebook is very, really good if you're going to do ads and you should be yep. doing your posting and you're sort of documenting on Instagram now? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think Instagram, if you think about it, of a how it would work for a business strategy, we often get people to focus on Instagram as their main platform. So they're creating content frequently for Instagram with great captions and great messaging and then to automatically post that to Facebook. So you're kind of hitting two birds with one stone. So if someone comes over and visits your Facebook page, they are going to find fresh content. It is being populated. But because people don't necessarily do that so much on Facebook anymore, then to, if you're going to invest, then have a paid ad strategy on Facebook, which because Facebook owns Facebook and Instagram, then they can push ads on Facebook and on Instagram. And that's a really powerful combo platform to have as your hub of social media marketing. And then depending on your business, if you you are targeting high schoolers, then TikTok is a great idea or if you're targeting um you know professional level corporates then linkedin um, and you can sort of figure out what platforms align with those but the ones that are we're seeing the most results at the moment is that facebook instagram combo yeah cool okay if you can pixel your site and get that retargeting that's that's when it becomes really powerful yeah definitely Smashing. So, I, yeah, I remember TikTok. It's kind of having a second wave, isn't it? Because it was like, again, my daughter told me TikTok is for like eight-year-old girls. When I said, Isabel, teach me about TikTok. She goes, don't worry, mum, it's eight-year-old girls. And now I could have got the head start. But um, anyway, don't trust your 19-year-old daughter to advise you on social media strategy. Talk to people like you. <laughs> Thank you for that. So um, how, how long after you guys started? using Instagram to promote your side hustles because you started off essentially didn't you both of you had like something that you were doing on a bit on your own business and then started having success with Instagram and then kind of switched to that so in your own experience is it it's not an overnight thing is it or do you have to be consistent and patient to get some results and traction yeah so it's a bit of a combination of those things we started Instagram because four years ago five years ago or maybe it was longer now I had started a Instagram for basically a creative portfolio of health and wellness images and photography that I was doing Mm -hmm. and Viv my business partner had started one for a sportswear brand that she had at university so she was using Instagram to drive the majority of traffic to her sportswear label Um, and we were in the same food science group and that's how we met at uni and we were constantly talking to each other about you know what we'd seen happening on Instagram over here that we could then apply to our strategies to sort of grow and reach different people so we were always in conversations and figuring out more the strategy which back then no one was doing there was zero resource for things like growing your social platforms it was all if there was any marketing attached to social media it was 100% all directed to Facebook So I think back then it was less strategy and more, you know, seeing what was working and then I guess that is strategy and then applying it to our own channels. But because the algorithm was chronological and it was a lot different, there was things that worked really well that you could then apply and get big fast. But now with the algorithm being more complex and it not being chronological, that actually provides us with a bit of a 
advantage as businesses because if we're just hopping on now, we don't have to do all this trial and error and throw paint at the wall and see what sticks. We actually can figure out the nature of how the platform works and how the algorithm works so that we can be efficient in our strategy. So we can know, you know, Instagram groups people like this and shows people's content to people because of this reason. So therefore, our strategy is A, B, and C to get. So you can kind of cut through now if you know these little tips and tricks as to how these platforms operate. But the patience thing definitely comes into it. I mean, a lot of what social media is, is building touch points, but also just building trust and rapport with that audience over time. So, you know, you could have some big viral post and grow exponentially, but you're still not going to have that brand loyalty and those those love customers if they haven't had a little bit more experience with you and seen a little bit more, you know, over time, you consistently showing up and giving them value. So it is two-tiered. We've, there are, you know, growth strategies now to cut through all the algorithm and all the things and so you don't just flounder but there are also there is merit and continuing on going because it is it's it doesn't happen overnight that's the thing is everyone's looking for a shortcut isn't it but so to, to an extent if you know the formula that's fine but you still have to put the work in you know and buying followers is rubbish really isn't it because you haven't got that quality lead that you you're looking for yeah it's almost like you know speaking another language of getting your message across so if you're trying to speak to a french person in your english then the first step is to figure out how to speak French. So it's, you know, to how to learn the platform so you know how to tell the algorithm what you want it to do. And then the second step is to actually get across that message in a really good way, which is on Instagram, it's through your content and through your captions and all the different ways that you're providing value. So it's that two-tiered of understand the platform and the nature of it and how people respond to it, but also be really specific and concise with your message and make sure that you're providing value to that target audience. Cool. I'm on Instagram. I don't, this, one of the reasons that I was keen to get you guys on is because I want to ask you some questions for my, my own benefit as well as the audience, obviously, and um, take advantage of that. There's lots of different ways that you can use Instagram, isn't there? Before we sort of shift into looking at the different, those different strategies, you always start, and I think this is the same with speaking, any sort of marketing, you say start with your ideal audience, which is always critical. But on Instagram specifically, why would you say that's so important? Mostly because Instagram now groups people by niche. So they, back in the day, you know, did chronological. So we saw accounts do really well that posted about lifestyle and their business and their next door neighbor's cat and the sunset and everything under the sun in all different forms. But because it was chronological, if you had a lot of followers, you would just continue growing because your content would be shown. Whereas now Instagram has a different algorithm, which is value-based. So they basically decide what type of value that you're providing and then show your content to people who have expressed interest in that by their actions. So for example, if you like lots of photos of dogs, if you follow dog accounts, then Instagram's probably going to show you another dog account because they know that you'll be interested in it. So that's why we say that you have to be so specific with your audience now, because you've got to tell that algorithm who you're wanting to target. So to do that, all we need to do is think, you know, who's our audience and what is our offering or message and then make sure that that's reflected in all of our 
actions on Instagram. So we can tell with what is actually in our photos because they have image recognition software, with what is in our hashtags, with what is in our location, with who we're tagging, with who we're DMing, with who we're um, replying to stories, with what we're searching. All these things create a bubble of data that Instagram then reads and sees, okay, so the commonalities here are heaps of pets and dogs and you're posting that consistently. So then we know who you are so that we can show you to the right people. Cool. And is that a little bit like someone else the the other day was showing me Pinterest and they tend to do quite similar things, I think, because she was showing me a board and it had not just their stuff, but everyone else's stuff. And it was all quite niche based as well. Is there there some crossover between those platforms or, or are they completely different? Yeah, I think they have similar algorithms in that they are value-based in machine learning. So they basically, you know, read your actions of what you're searching and the type of content that you've liked, and then they show you more of that. So, I mean, similar to pretty much every social platform now, you know, the YouTube rabbit hole of you watch certain videos, then you'll be suggested similar ones. Or TikTok. TikTok is actually the best example of sophisticated machine learning because you'll just get caught in that rabbit hole of little videos coming on the for you page which is the suggested page and their machine learning learns fast and then shows you things that are super relevant to you I tend to wear two hats so I have uh, obviously I coach people on speaking but I have a story-led marketing side and one of the things that I talked well it's also on the speaking side because I think they're very closely connected is about evangelizing the problem so if you're if you're evangelizing the problem that you're solving uh, before you even talk about the solution, then people, you'll be the first protocol for the solution. So I guess that works really well on Instagram because if you're talking about the same thing, then you've got to stay on track with that message, that one problem that you're solving. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. That's a great way to look at it. The way we've also explained it to people is it's like starting a business as you start super specific and mm. you target one problem and you answer that problem with your solution really well and then as you broaden and as you grow you can broaden those offerings and you can create different streams to your business Um, and we see that a lot with accounts you know as huge Instagram accounts grow they can start to post a little bit more in a wider niche because they've already nailed down that specific niche and then yeah so we we often say when you're starting out especially just be really specific with your offering because people are cutthroat now and user behavior has changed so back in the day people used Instagram primarily for entertainment and now we're seeing you know 80% of people looking up brands on Instagram we're seeing people use Instagram more as a tool to find products or services or to look up products or services to compare before they buy or look up after they bought them and um, so with that change in user behavior it's especially important to be on Instagram and be putting out a really clear message cool that's great thank you now I was going to talk to you about strategy so is there like one I mean we talked a little bit about this is there one strategy that you you recommend or multiple strategies depending on what niche you're in. And then there's that whole thing about stories and posts. You mentioned quotes. Sometimes I feel like it's a little bit overwhelming. You know, what sh- exactly should I be doing on this platform to get some traction? I would say that it's sort of two-tiered. The first thing is to be really clear on your messaging and be posting value frequently. And mm-hmm. then the second thing is that 
there's a myth that if we post nice content on Instagram, then people will find us and we'll grow. That's not necessarily true. We actually have to go out and be in front of our target audience via discoverability techniques. So that's when growth techniques come in, like, you know, using hashtags well and maybe experimenting with influencer marketing or giveaways or things like that. But first, we have to optimize our profile. So if we're sending traffic to it, then they'll actually stick. So, you know, we can drive all the traffic in the world via a big giveaway to our page, but if it's not optimized with value and good content, then people won't stick. So the first thing when I'd think of a strategy is just who is our target audience and how can we provide value to them? And then it's like the Gary Vee thing. It's like jab, 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 right hook. People are often really afraid of selling on Instagram and any account under the sun that sells, sells, sells is not going to perform. So it's got to be that like value, 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 and then provide the solution via your product or service as your right hook. So that's how we optimize our profile. Mm -hmm. And then to find our audience, that's when we can do things like use 30 hashtags because Instagram gives us the option to use 30 and that basically sprays us into 30 more places on the platform to get in front of all these new sets of eyes that wouldn't have found us. Otherwise, we can, depending on our product or service, it depends what influencer marketing strategy we would use. So it might be, you know, if we've got a highly priced, if we're selling dishwashers or something, then we can't really just send out PR packages of dishwashers to everyone because that's too too big, right? So instead, we would maybe do a more ambassadorship type collaboration where we get one bigger influencer who posts multiple times about our dishwasher and the duty of our dishwasher. And all influencer marketing is, is just, you know, sending, just working with someone who has influence over a certain audience who we try to pick it so that it's our target audience. Yeah. So, and then maybe an option could be if we have a lower price product or, you know, a service that we can offer something free for is to send it out to multiple people and spread it wide. So it's more of a multiple touch points via separate people as opposed to the same person over and over again. So there are different discoverability techniques to grow us once we've optimized that profile. And you've mentioned the word value several times. And it may be that it probably means the same thing across all platforms. But in your experience, what would you be defining as as value content on that platform on Instagram? Great question. I think it depends on your target audience. In a way, for example, my value for Taste for Tash, which is my profile, which I do collaborations with companies for, and it's health wellness things. My value is actually in the aesthetic. So a lot of people go to it for bright and light photo techniques and the way that I've styled food or that type of thing. So the aesthetic is really important. So the way all my photos look together is quite important. Whereas, you know, someone's value might be in humor. So they're providing humor to different people via memes or being relatable or giving them entertainment in that way. Another value might be education. So someone might do little tutorials or share in their captions, health and wellness facts and things to help them. Um, Or another value might be just a way to that you, you know, people are only interested in what you can do for them. So it's just what are they getting out of it? So every time you post, just think, if I was following this account, what would I get out of this post right now? If it's not valuable to them, then that's a good indication that maybe we aren't providing enough value. So for instance, I'm going to come on to speakers next. So let's say I, I've got this podcast, sharing about the podcast and the guests that are on the podcast, would that be 
valuable to people who want to speak? Would that be insufficient value or would I need to be doing extra in terms of making sure that it looked pretty and maybe had some sound bite quotes or, or, or the whole thing together? Um, no, I think that can still be valuable because it's, you know, educating people on who's on so that then if they're interested in that, they can go and listen. And um, to make that, you know, to figure out how you can maximize that value, it might be to do little sound bites with a snippet of conversation that they'll be the most interested in to sort of dangle a juicier carrot. Yeah, but no, that's definitely value. It's I would say the opposite of value would be a more commercial type approach where say you post a photo and it's just you know, a product image on a white background and you're saying all the benefits of your product and how great it is and you're not engaging in any conversation or telling them anything about how it will benefit their life. Right, I'm with you. So you've got to start with that avatar in mind, your your ideal customer, and then think about what they would value. You know, at the end of the day, you're doing it for them. I mean, obviously, if you're the same as your target customer, then you've got a good gauge. If you're not, you kind of got to really put yourself in their shoes. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, obviously this podcast is for people who either speak freshly or want to use speaking to promote their business and so on. If you uh, have speakers and entrepreneurs who are starting out with the platform to build their audience, what are the tips that you give specifically for speakers to build their brand on Instagram? Are your speakers normally... Do they have a speciality or is their thing speaking? Like what are they normally speaking about? Yeah, so most speakers will have a topic back to that problem. So some may be speaking about innovation or creativity or the value of coaching or mental health or anything like that. So if they're a speaker, they want to be booked to speak, could be by conferences or companies or stuff like that. So if they are a professional speaker, they'd be looking to attract companies or people that would book them to speak, I guess. Cool. So in that form then, I would say that their niche would be sort of their topic and then the way that they can get that across as they're speaking. So, you know, if it's mental health, one of my friends is a mental health advocate and she does a lot of speaking around the world and she her socials are primarily like a more snackable form of what she's doing so it'll be a little tidbit it'll be a little a little video maybe six or so seconds of something that she was thinking that day that might help or a tip that she's heard or um, news or things like that and also then things around that topic so you know if it's mental health then they'd also probably be interested in studies coming out about that or a, a case about something that's happened in the news recently and staying super topical and keeping people informed who are wanting, you know, who are hungry for that information. I would say if you're a speaker and you are wanting to get booked more, then just think, you know, what do you primarily speak about and what value do you give within your speaking? And then you just put that into Instagram form, really. You just think, well, if I'm doing a speaking event and I give this value and the speech at each convention, then I'm an expert in giving value. That's what I do. So just think, well, how can I then make that in more snackable form? So whether it's that breaking that up into, you know, Canva designed tiles or um, showing a little bit as well about who you are and how you got to where you are. So that core story comes into it a lot if you're a speaker because it's a very personally branded thing that you're doing. So we like to think about 
an Instagram content strategy and content pillars. So, for example, for Tastefully Tash, it's I have food photos as one content pillar and then I'll have, um, you know, more active outdoor photos as a second content pillar. So those two content pillars then I can basically, it's the same target audience that's interested in them, but it provides variety and gives more depth into my topic. So as a speaker, it's the same thing. Content pillar one might be little videos of you. Content pillar two might be little educational designed tiles of what you're talking about. Content pillar three might be, you know, the latest in news or you reposting beautiful, inspirational things that other people are doing on your page in that realm. Um, and having those clear content pillars then makes that, that strategy easy because when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to think, what in the world out of everything in the world that exists would I post on Instagram today? You just think, oh, okay, I haven't posted that content pillar in a while. I'll, fit, I'll sort that out today. Brilliant. That's really helpful, actually. Excellent. So think about your content pillars, people, and what they might be. I'll go away and think about mine tomorrow. Uh, it's too late now. It's 10 o'clock, <laughs> 10.30 in the UK. So I'll be heading straight to bed after then. <laughs> Um, <laughs> brilliant thank you now one other thing you mentioned on your website is about using branded hashtags could you explain more about what that means and how we should be using them yes so branded hashtags are so hashtags as a topic are sort of part art part science they're a discoverability technique to get you out of just the people that follow you and get you in front of more eyes on the platform so that more people find you. So when we think about hashtags, we just have to think about two things when we're figuring out what to hashtag. The first thing is what's actually in our photo. So as I said earlier, Instagram has image recognition software. So back in the day, you could post, if you had 2 million followers, you could post a photo of a kitchen and hashtag it love and make the top post purely because of engagement whereas they've changed that to make a better user experience so if someone's actually searching kitchens they want to see photos of kitchens so that's why they've brought in image recognition software so that if you post a photo of a kitchen and you hashtag kitchen and you have 2,000 followers you might actually be shown in those top posts so the first thing is to hashtag what's in our post the second thing to think about when we're hashtagging is what niche are we in? So if I'm an interior designer and I want to hashtag kitchen because I post a photo of a kitchen, I also want to tell the algorithm that I'm an interior designer. So you might say, you know, interior inspiration, hashtag interior design and more in the greater realm of your niche. And the third thing that we want to think about is what people might actually be searching for. So people actually surprisingly look up hashtags. So it might be that they're searching for white kitchens because they love the white aesthetic. Or you might think, you know, maybe they're searching for kitchen renovation or something like that. So you just do those three tiers of what's in your photo, what your niche is, and what people might be searching for. And that gives you the content of what to actually put in that hashtag list. So that's all we need to remember about what goes in them. And then when we are posting them, the best practice of posting is to have one of those hashtag lists for each content pillar. So, you know, for me, I said I had food pictures. I'd have a list that I'd already researched that I didn't have to think about hashtags every single time I posted on Instagram because I'd already done that hashtag list for that content pillar. Um, and then I'd have one for like, lifestyle photos and then I have those two separate lists and my notes on my phone so when I go to post a food picture I just 
post my food picture, I go over, I copy those hashtags from my notes, I tweak one or two to be more specific, and then I paste them in the first comment and that's done. The reason we say to post them in the first comment is because algorithmically it's the same. You're not devalued by putting them in the caption, sorry, in the first comment, but they're just not distracting like they would be if you put them in the caption. So if I write this huge caption that's super valuable and interesting and then I have 30 blue tags at the bottom, that's just quite distracting and confusing for people. So that's why we just say post them in the first comment and then they get lost in the comments and people don't see them, but they're still performing the function that they were designed for. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, blimey, there you go. That's a good tip. <laughs> Smashing, thank you for that. My team's going to be busy. <laughs> Two more questions popped to mind on this. So, uh, well, where do so where do Instagram stories fit in? Are they in that pillar, those pillar content things, or are they completely different? Yeah. So, with stories, we think about it like your feed, your finished feed, is your front of house of your business. It's the curated professional front foot forward. It's how you like to be seen. It's all the things. And then your stories are the behind the scenes of that business. So it's how you create rapport and connection with your audience. And it's how you, you know, showcase what makes you, you know, all the little things behind your front of house. So top of screen, top of mind for stories. So as frequently as you can have a story up. Five years ago, we would have said for posting on your feed, post at least every day if you can. Now we've switched that. So now we say having a story up is the best way to create that connection and keep and keep yourself top of mind. Whereas, you know, as frequently as you have high quality content that showcases your business or brand in the best way, that's when you post on your feed. So that might not now only be three or four times a week. And it's still important to do, but it's just a different function. Whereas a story, a story doesn't require all that time and energy and curation and professional photography, et cetera, or video creation. So that's what you can do on the fly. So if you know, if you do a time lapse of you writing a plan for a speaking event, or if you give a little bit of insight into your core story because you're on a way to a meeting and you're just sitting in the car and you're talking about what that meeting is going to be about and how you're feeling about it. So you can give so much more context and more of the whole picture of your business and connect with that audience through your stories. So we definitely recommend prioritizing, you know, stories as a function to build connection. And if you're wondering about the structure of how things work, then yeah, as I said, make sure that you've got a story up every day, at least maybe two or three, and then post maybe however frequently that you have high quality content for on your feed. Brilliant. So essentially what you're saying is, if I've understood you correctly, the more curated content goes on your feed Mm -hmm. and the Instagram stories is more like your reality TV stuff. Yeah. Really, thank you so much for that. It's good. I know a lot of people are going to be having aha moments from that. Now, um, (laughs) even though you guys are Instagram experts, you have a Facebook group, I noticed. How does this fit into your own marketing strategy? Yeah, so... Our Facebook group has been such a crazy journey because I would actually credit our Facebook group to basically why we have a business. So about four years ago, we started the Facebook group. We had the business and we had a couple of clients, but it was more about posting value to the to the group. We called it Instagram growth and engagement so that if people were searching for that, they would it would come up. And then that's, I think it's got like 35,000 members or something now. And they 
we just treated it sort of like a um, like an information hub so that we could attract those people and have more conversations with them and have them all in the same place so that then with our offerings we could then talk about those as well with the algorithm on Facebook it has slightly changed so people literally used to get a notification when we posted in the group so that then they'd go and check it now um like everything on Facebook it's turned more pay to play so we don't necessarily get in front of those people as much but what we've learned from having a Facebook group is the power of that community and how we recommend everyone that has you know an online course or um, even an in-person course to then invite all those people that have done that course to be in a Facebook group you know if you're doing a mastermind like a speaking mastermind then all of those people from that mastermind if you just have them in a Facebook group where if you think of a resource, you can share it. If they want to ask a question, they can ask it. And then the other people from that mastermind can answer it. And then, you know, people from that mastermind can see who else is in the mastermind. Go check out their Facebook profile. If they resonate with them, they can reach out to them and build great connections. And um, so that's why a Facebook group can be so powerful. So it's such a, you know, it's just that added element on to what we're doing. You know, Instagram we're obviously passionate about the power of Instagram, what it can do for marketing, but we're very aware that it doesn't exist in a vacuum and having all of those elements of your marketing mix are really important and do create those those different touch points. So it might be that we have a, a lot of people who listen to our podcast, who are in our Facebook group, who follow us on Instagram, who are on our email list. And just one of those things might kind of get their attention, but if they're getting, you know, information from all those different platforms then that's a far greater impact on them and they're more likely to go and check us out more if they are getting all those different touch points in different forms that's brilliant and it's almost back to what we said right at the start around that ecosystem and getting people into your world and and touching them in those different places or oh, uh, that sounded a bit dodged but anyway you know what <laughs> We know what we mean. <laughs> Thrashing. Cool. And and do you guys do any speaking yourselves? We do. We do. We've actually grown that a lot in the past two years, I think, because, I mean, you're the expert, but we found that the more that we've spoken at, the more that we've been asked to speak at, because you sort of actually become an option of anyone that was at that. When they're asked to come up with speakers, they're like, oh, remember Tasha and Viv from Instagram at the Shopify meetup? Let's get them along. Yeah, and we love that element of it, especially because speaking together as well, we do it sort of podcast style. So we more bounce off each other and have it quite conversational, which we enjoy. Um, and speaking, I mean, it's so cool what you guys do because it's such an amazing realm to be in. It creates such a connection and you can share so much and that in-person element as well is so underrated. So much of what we do is online. So having that opportunity to actually connect with people in person is such a different experience is it something that you've had to work at were you quite nervous when you started out speaking or are you just like no this is um there's two of us we're a tag team so it's much less scary <laughs> it was we definitely had a buffer and that we had each other but I I mean I was terrified at primary school and high school of any speaking I was when speeches came around in the school year it was the worst part of my year it was so terrifying but what we found was because we started slow in the way that we didn't start speaking events we started by 
speaking on Facebook Lives to each other about various things. Then we started um, podcasting, which was hugely important for public speaking, especially because I had to DIY learn to edit the podcast and you learn all the annoying things you do, like how many likes you say and how much you talk in circles. And I just was like, wow, I cannot speak to save myself. And then from there, you know, we would run in-person workshops, which was like little baby speaking events because we would have 10 or 20 people at these. And then by the time that, you know, you're speaking in front of 100 or 200 people, it's the same formula. You've done it so many times in other forms that you can just apply that same formula. So we definitely warmed up to it. We didn't jump in the deep end. Um, And now it's one of my favorite things that we do, Um, especially because when you are talking about a topic that you know inside out it's so much easier than you know if I had to do a speech of my personal life it would be a lot more stressful but <laughs> Instagram's great yeah but you know you've got to pull that into you've got to pull it into the talk as well because <laughs> people are knowing yeah, yeah. know that stuff <laughs> so gradually increasing that comfort zone until now you're probably talking in front of hundreds on well when, when we're back to normal to big audiences that's brilliant <laughs> I was just going to say that too is, um, you know, a lot of your audience will probably be really comfortable with the speaking side of, you know, talking to the camera and stories and things. But if people are learning to speak and more in that um, learning phase, then do do that slow transition of if you're wanting to be more in front of your socials, just start with having yourself behind the camera when you're speaking in stories and then gradually move up to face to camera and do those steps really gradually, just like you would in, in a real speaking event environment, do the same thing on social. Just warm yourself up gradually. That's a really good tip. That's brilliant. Listen, Tash, you've been so generous. I've got a few standard questions, which you may know from, from listening to some of the podcasts. And then I want to find out about where people can go to get to know more about you guys and what you do. So I can ask this. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to ask this. What is the best thing that speaking has done for you? Oh, I would say speaking in the podcast and amongst everything we do, you know, we could hammer social every day. We could send 10 emails a day. But the way that speaking resonates with people and the connection it creates with people is more than any other social platform that you can ever do. So you know, to be in front of people and be talking to them and have that moment that is so underrated. That is, that's been the most amazing because it's always been the people that have been to our speaking events or they've listened to us speaking in the ears on the podcast. Um, and those are the people that have had the greatest connection with us and followed us up the most. Brilliant. And have you had like a bad gig? Is there anything that you remember like, oh my God, that was so bad? I mean, you talked about the podcast, but any live ones that you've done, you're like, oh, dear. Yeah, definitely. We've, I mean, we've, <laughs> we've definitely gone to things and rambled or sort of misread the room. We either come in with not framing things enough and just going straight in with the, the core value, which often needs a little bit more framing to tell people how that fits into context, or we do the opposite where we'll get on a tangent and go on various directions. So... Oh, definitely. We've had many a time where we haven't had a good good time. <laughs> but you've got back on the horse and that is the main thing. Excellent. Yeah, I only asked yeah. that question because everyone has it. And I just I think it's always good for people to know that these things happen, but you know, you carry on, you don't stop and it gets better. So that's brilliant. Okay. Next question. What's the one book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? Ooh. I would say 
because I'm a, a podcast fiend these days and don't really listen, I mean, don't really read as much as I used to. The books that I read when I was starting out, figuring out what I wanted to do at university and that type of thing are the ones that I remember the most when it comes to this question. Um, the first was, it's a bit cliche, but I think it's Awaken the Giant Within from Tony Robbins. And that was like one of the first personal development sort of dream your own life books that I read. And that was hugely powerful and making you think, oh, well, this is actually possible. This is the roadmap to do it. And this is the inspiration I needed. And this is the motivation I needed. And um, so I highly recommend that. And if anyone is approaching their 20s who listens to this, then <laughs> The Defining Decade was an amazing book that I read. It was, I was about, I don't know, 19 and it was, oh no, I was about 20 and it was amazing. It was kind of about how 20 is not the new 30. If you're just working towards an actual goal, then that goal often changes direction and things. But if you're working towards something, then that's how you're going to get to the next stage to then, you know, pivot if you need to. But to not just flounder of just going through the motions. It was just so, you know, so impactful about how it made you think about things. So the defining decade by me, someone, but yeah, that was a very powerful book for me. Brilliant. Oh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that and, and share it with my, my 19 year old daughter who I mentioned to you. <laughs> so yeah, um, what is the best bit of business advice you've ever had and why? Ooh, I would say it was more an experience of, you know, you look, you hear people tell you so many things, but I think when I, so I lived in LA for a bit and I went to this dinner once that I just ended up at and it was all these corporation owners and they were, it was like, I don't know, 12 corporation owners and me who was this random social media freelancer and a friend had just invited me and not known what I was getting myself into. And what I realized was these people were so powerful. One of them was like a advisor to the president or something. They were ridiculously powerful. And if you thought about their businesses, you just thought about these entities which seemed inhuman but sitting down with these people I was like you know they are so human they don't do anything differently to anyone else they don't have any superpower they don't know what they're doing like they're not just born with this innate gift of direction um so I think that was the most powerful thing and that no one knows what they're doing so you can cut out your own path and create your own path and it's not right or wrong um because you know, if no one knows what they're doing, then everyone kind of knows what they're doing. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's really good. Back to that imposter syndrome that so many people suffer with. It's like, no one's better than you. Don't compare yourself to yeah. other people. Find, find your own way. I love that. Cool. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was actually experiencing it because, you know, you, I could hear that on so many levels of like, you know, there's just humans behind these big companies. They're not anymore they're not the humans aren't different to you but actually sitting in a room with them and being like you know you you are not a perfect human you have no superpower that I don't like it was just such a moment where I was like wow you know if they can do it then of course you can do it brilliant I love that that's so cool and how old were you when you had that experience I was about 23 (laughs) golden look at that you're going to be in those (laughs) hall of fame places that's brilliant cool (laughs) last question if you could choose a mentor and they can be alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? Oh, I have, I sort of have these people that I've always, for career and life path, instead of figuring out what I want to do, I've always figured out who's got 
a life that's amazing that I really admire and then backtracking their journey of how they got there. So in that way, I've always thought people like, you know, Jenna Kutcher or um, there's certain like Instagrammers who have made huge careers off paper, off off social um, because of what they've, their creativity um, that I've thought are really cool. I mean, if we were hitting for the sun, then Oprah would be a pretty amazing mentor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise some of those creatives like, Go there for it. You, go. Can, you can have anything you want. You're, you're exactly. Yeah, you can be the new Oprah. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, I've, I've had a load of fun with you. You're, you're brilliant and you've been so generous with the tips that you've shared. So I am sure people will want to go and find out more about you and Viv and Ace the Gram. Where is the best place for them to go find out about what you can do and if you can help them, where should they, where should they go? The best place would be Instagram podcast where we, anything we've mentioned today, we deep dive and give full strategies for that and talk to people who have done really interesting things either as an influencer or a business owner or um, just a marketer. So yeah, Instagram podcast or Instagram podcast on Instagram or Instagram.com. Yeah, so that would be amazing if people could come and say hi. So you mentioned a Facebook group. Should they go and check you out there as well? Yeah, yeah. That's got heaps of free resources. So that's Instagram growth and engagement. It'll be the first group that pops up if you search that. Um, and then our personal profiles that I mentioned, like my creator, Taste Tash profile and Viv's profile are linked in. Um, you can either search them or they're linked into Instagram podcast Instagram. Well, I will put all the links in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And uh, it's been an absolute blast. I'll try and connect with you on some of those platforms myself. I better tidy up my Instagram first. I'll be too ashamed <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to, to show it at the moment. I'll leave that for a while. Yes, thanks so much, Tash. You have a wonderful day and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I really love what you do. So thanks for having me. Smashing. Thank you. Well, there you go. I was absolutely blown away by how generous Tash was in sharing all those brilliant tips. And I would say make sure you go and check out their website and podcast if you want to go deeper on some of this stuff. I think there's quite a bit here that you can be cracking on with, though. And obviously, go follow them on Instagram. Do try it out. I mean, I don't believe you can be a speaker or a business owner without marketing yourself. And Instagram seems to be a good place to invest your time these days. Well, that's it. Thank you again for joining me. Come on over to the Facebook group, the Speaking Club Facebook Hub. Follow me on Instagram at Saraharch15. I'm obviously going to be doing a bit of stuff on there. Now I know what to be doing. And uh, do leave a review for the show and subscribe so you don't miss out on what's coming up. Take care and don't you forget to go out and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. If you want to discover how to create a killer pitch that makes you or your business stand out from the crowd, then you'll want to grab your copy of my book, Straight to the Top. It will help you clarify your USP, your business story, who your target market is, and what will make them buy. You'll discover how to get the edge on the competition and position your offer for success. You'll also get proven elevator and investor pitch frameworks to use for maximum impact. To get the book for free, plus lots of extra bonuses, you just pay shipping and handling, go to standoutpitch.com today.